0: Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and today I'm really excited to speak with John Turman. John has a very interesting life, and I'm really excited to speak with him today. He is a professional horn player based out of Seattle, music educator, and also a pretty badass powerlifter. And I am really excited to speak with John about the intersection of fitness and music and how he got into all the cool things that he's doing and some of the lessons that he's learned. But John, I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you for that <laughs> amazing intro, Caroline. Wow. that it pretty much sums up my whole thing. Uh, my name is John Turman and I play third horn with the Seattle symphony. I won that job in 2015 and then in 2021 i started teaching uh horn performance at uw here in seattle and uh, all throughout that journey to where i'm at now i started powerlifting in uh, 2019 so it's it's not been very long it's just about like well, 4 that's years that's more
0: recent than i thought
1: yeah and i really got into it but i as as many musicians uh i'm sure are the same way we You know, came up in marching band and then started to try to get our fitness goals just, uh, you know, going after all of that after we uh, get into our zones, our careers, and in a place where we're finally comfortable. And then uh, really digging into physical fitness and adding that to our practice. And so I feel like I have followed sort of a general path or a path that I've seen a lot of people before me uh, go through. So, I'm so excited to talk about the journey with you today and share with uh, all of our friends on this platform.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So I would love to hear more specifics about your journey because some people, and this is true for not just musicians, but anybody in fitness, like some people were always working out, they were always in shape or fitness or sports played some part in their life. Other people like me, for example, were the opposite of that and had some sort of an experience or a transformation that launched them into fitness. And I'm always curious what people's origin story is if they have one, Uh, even if it's not as dramatic as like (laughs) what I went through. But I want to know, like, how did you get into training? Because you mentioned, too, you only seriously got into powerlifting in 2019. So were you involved in sports or lifting or anything as a kid? Or was this something that really just happened in the last few years?
1: It really is something that took off in the past few years, but I uh, can very clearly see how my path landed me here. Uh, Like I... It, well, I grew up in Texas. I'm from Austin, Texas originally, and it's a big sports town. And I was in the little leagues and the flag football leagues, everything all through elementary school. and I really hated it. <laughs> I hated like I hated sports so much. and I think it's just because those parents you know, your parents really like try to push you, <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> They try to put you into uh, every sport that you can when you're a kid, get you out of the house, get you active, and get you moving. I was uh, an overweight kid and then grew out of it in high school. And my first really big athletic endeavor was marching band, I would say. And particularly in Texas, it is just as grueling as being in high school football. We are out there in 100 degree heat, just trying to learn drill and running things over and over again. And it's basically the high intensity cardio training. I I would absolutely characterize it as that. And uh, that was my start in the fitness journey. I started learning about, um, you know, all these different movements and mobility drills, planks, uh, you know, just really getting my my feet wet in fitness through that program. And just because it's so competitive and so athletic and uh nutrition and all of that. I definitely did not eat very well in high school. That's sort of one of the biggest things that I've learned coming up. But after I uh got into I got into rice as um I graduated high school and uh I was just doing runs every so often. I would just do cardio basically I wouldn't do any weight training. I would do things like yoga. I remember I was in a lesson with Julie Landsman. Uh, just applying for, you know, Juilliard and all those schools. And she said to me, I'm going to do a Julie Lansman impression. Sorry, Julie. But she was like, <laughs> have you done yoga? And I'm like, "Uh, no, <laughs> should I? I? I was definitely, you know, I, me and Julie probably would not have been a good match in terms of t- teacher and student. I was so like undiagnosed ADD and uh, really, really energetic and scattered. And when I, got to college the first year, I really tried to take up yoga and really, uh, listen to her and take her up on, you know, trying to calm myself a little bit, uh, in addition to doing cardio and doing runs and things like that. But then I went to, uh, Banff in 2020 and learned about insanity from Sean T and the team beach body. I don't know. Are you familiar with that? Oh yeah. I remember or... when
0: everybody Doing
1: that do you remember yeah like everyone was doing it and so when I got back from that summer I was all about it I was all about insanity and I got all of my friends doing it and we have like a group of people doing insanity just doing like the month program uh the two-month program at you know like 8 a.m in this apartment complex uh near your rice and just um using that as you know And we would go out to eat Mexican food and it, the ch- food is so good and so cheap in Houston. So even though we were working out pretty hard, we were not really eating healthy necessarily. And so I was, wasn't seeing any real gains, but then again, at that point in my life, uh, fitness wasn't a huge focus. It was really, I was really focused on honing just my skills as a musician and had a lot to learn. So that took up a lot of my time and I, had i had fitness going on in the background but it wasn't necessarily a focus and i didn't really know how impactful being physically healthy would be on my playing until uh, a little bit later after i won my job with the seattle symphony so let's fast forward a few years so i'm in the seattle symphony and it's like 2016 and all of a sudden i you know i'm practicing X amount of hours every day and going to work and sitting down for hours and hours and hours. And so I get up out of the chair one day and my hip, I have shooting pain on the left side of my hip. And I was getting an impingement just from that repetitive stress of just sitting and (laughs) and like, yeah. And then my shoulders were really tight and I just wasn't really taking care of myself physically. And I really started to feel it even you know, just like in my age, which you know, that time, like 26, 27. And I looked up, just got it like any self-respecting, you know, uh, millennial would do. I got on the internet, got on YouTube and looked up hip pain left side. And uh, what popped up were these mobility exercises uh, for power lifters. And so I was like, oh, huh, that's interesting. Um, what's that all about? And so I followed all these guys on Instagram and tried to, you know, and I would do these exercises and things got better and better for me at work. I was noticing I didn't have any pain anymore. It was that, um, that banded like hip distraction where you, uh, put one band like under a couch and then the other one, like around the, uh, inside of your quad and just like mobilize, you know, like hinge that hip. And um, really let the band kind of like pull your hip a little bit out of its socket. It it felt like it was night and day, the difference that I felt later on that month, just after discovering this. And so then I was spending a ton of time on Instagram in the fitness sector, looking at um, all these power lifters. And I was really uh, inspired by The way they looked, too, I was like, wow, I would really like to look like that. I was kind of a scrawny guy, really skinny, really, like, built for, like, skiing and cardio and that um, (laughs) – those sorts of sports. But I wanted to build a lot of muscle. That's something I'd never really worked on before. And doing Insanity and uh, T25, Shanti's, like, next uh, thing that came after Insanity, I was noticing that I was feeling pretty healthy but not really getting – a lot out of it in terms of muscle gains or anything. And so I kept digging deeper and deeper into these powerlifting Instagram accounts. And I remember I was on the live of this guy, uh, Pale Horse Powerlifting. He is this Australian like tatted up muscle, like roided up beast of a dude. And he was like, the number one thing you can do is to get a powerlifting coach. And I'm like, huh, maybe I'll do that. And so I got on the old Google and looked up powerlifting gyms in Seattle, Washington, and now in between this, I had I had been doing a lot of other stuff. I was living in Magnolia here in Seattle, which is where America's first climbing gym is vertical world. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the vertical world peeps. They're amazing. <laughs> but I got really into rock climbing. I still love it, but it was it was kind of tearing my body up a little bit too much. Like I just, you know, couldn't recover very quickly and it wasn't uh super effective, I would say for me. It, and I but I do I do love that type of sport. But I would notice there are guys at the gym doing powerlifting moves on the top floor where all the weights were. And I really wanted to get into that as well. So it was just another flashing light. Like you should be doing this. You should be doing this. And so I get uh, online and find this powerlifting gym right by Benaroya Hall downtown called Seattle Strength and Power. So this is sort of my first real venture into powerlifting, and this is in 2019, so just before the pandemic, and I uh, get get into this gym, and it's pretty expensive. It was like 400 bucks a month because you sign up for this gym membership with 24-hour access, essentially, and every session you go, you're supposed to be coached by the head coach, and I'll, I'll go ahead and name names. It's Todd Christensen. And uh, he's a big name powerlifter, kind of like a really old school powerlifter kind of guy and mm-hmm. kind of runs runs the same program for everyone, doesn't do the sort of modernized programming that we do today with everything kind of being tailored to everyone's specific goals and output and day-to-day activity. But he was just, you know, all right, you're going to do your fives, your threes, your twos, your ones. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, that's basically just doing Like five reps of five deadlifts on Monday, five reps of five benches on Wednesday, five reps of five squats on Friday, and then go to like three to three, then two to two, and then one to like max out. And this is basically like, that's what you call powerlifting meat prep, because if you do a workout sort of that way week to week, You'll eventually like add a supposedly add a little bit to your maximum output. Well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I'm starting to like really dive deep into the <laughs> powerlifting side of things, but maybe that's a good uh spot to volley a little bit with you and just sort of reflect on musicians' personal fitness journeys in general. Just how things get started and what the similarities are. You know, why do we gravitate toward these? physical apps to like improve ourselves other than like being on our instrument and is there like a psychology behind that
0: yeah i mean well first of all our stories i think have a lot in common i was also not really in shape and i mean my parents also made me play a bunch of sports that i hated (laughs) i couldn't (laughs) wait to quit uh and when i was partway through high school i was like So done with it. And they finally said, Okay, you're really serious about music, we'll let you quit. But then unfortunately, what happened with that was that I gained a lot of weight and became super, super out of shape. And then when I was a freshman at Northwestern, kind of like you, when you were having your job, although I was even younger than you, I was having all these aches and pains, I would be sitting in rehearsal and my low back would kill me like just sitting in a rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And I was having all these issues with energy where I literally would go to lunch in freshman year when I was still eating in the dorm and they had these little like eight ounce cups of coffee and I would have to chug like three or four of them just to stay awake in those afternoon rehearsals. Because, you know, as a brass player, especially as a trombone player, I was sitting mm-hmm. <laughs> and resting a lot and I would be dozing off and my back would hurt, and my elbow would hurt. And uh, it really wasn't even any of that stuff that made me change. Like I had a health scare with the doctor that forced me to change. But when I did start working out and eating better, those are the first things that I noticed. It's like, wow, I can play my trombone and it doesn't hurt. Wow, I'm not falling asleep in these rehearsals. Like, I feel so much better and that allows me to be a better musician. And that was kind of the start of everything that I've done since then. And like you, I was really getting into powerlifting in the early days of my lifting career and i was reading like dave tate and elite fts and jim wendler and all these like old school powerlifting people and i was at my job in the music library which was the best college job ever <laughs> i didn't have to do anything and i would just be <laughs> sitting there reading powerlifting blogs and videos so I, I totally relate to all of that it's interesting because back then this would have been like i don't know, 2012, 2013. I feel like it was a lot less common and maybe my bubble was just smaller. And now I know more people, but I feel like it was less common for musicians to be into lifting. I feel like, There was a lot of talk in our studios, in the brass studios, about exercise, but I feel like the emphasis was always on cardio. You should go for a run, you should bike ride, you should swim, and I don't remember anybody ever telling me yoga. We got that too. I I do remember the yoga uh, pushers, but I don't remember anyone being like, you should lift weights, you should be working on your mobility, and in my experience, and it sounds like in yours and other people I've talked with, obviously, I think cardio is important, but sometimes those other things have a more immediate impact actually on how you feel and your ability to show up for your job. So I love that for you that, you know, you were, I don't love that you were having the hip pain, but I love that you were able to improve it just by doing those drills and doing some research. And that really opened a whole gateway to you. I'm curious, like, because you are a you know, working professional musician at a really high level. What do you see as the attitude in the music world towards strength training? And you can think back too, to like when you were in school, like, do you think things have changed? Do you think more people are doing it? I'm curious what you're seeing.
1: Very good question. And I, as a teacher now of college age kids, it's, I find like super impar- the biggest thing that I notice is breathing inefficiencies Hmm. or just like the inability to really like tank up and like take a complete full breath. And I, I highly recommend cardio for that because that's Hmm. the quickest way I feel that people can feel that the intake of really full breaths is when you're doing cardio training, when you're kind of in zone three and really like pushing yourself, you can take in air really quickly and powerfully. Whereas in strength training and other things that was when I was in school, that was just no one talked about that. It was all about (laughs) cardio and maybe a little bit of yoga and Alexander technique and things like that. But no strength training, which I feel that people definitely could have benefited from. And I would go work out with people, you know, at, at the gym or whatever, but it was always just kind of, you know, half ass bodybuilding shit, like things like, all right, let's I mean, go hit don't get hit me wrong, I did that stuff trumpets, too back you know? in the day,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, and just these workouts that really didn't, and then would we would just go like drink at Valhalla afterwards. It was not uh, a <laughs> very effective, gainful training environment. And I would just say that we don't really know what we're doing back then necessarily, but <laughs> I- I felt that that was sort of the culture. It's just like, okay, yeah, get your cardio in, and you're you're going to be just fine. Whereas nowadays, I, um, I would I would recommend I recommend cardio for all my students, and I because it's also the least time consuming. That's the other thing about weight training. You know, when you have to add mobility and things to your the front of your workout, it adds. 30 minutes essentially mm-hmm. or up to 30 minutes and it's it's so beneficial for you but it is a bigger time commitment and now i feel in where i'm at now it is just as you said we're working professionals and we have very odd hours and in con- the most inconsistent schedules of any career and it's a time thing it's how do i fit this into my insane schedule that people don't even believe it's like oh wait why can't you come out to this thing it's a saturday night i'm like i'm working i'm working here and i'm teaching until this time then i gotta take a nap i gotta work out and then i have to play a show until 11 o'clock i can't can't hang out guys and having that schedule that's opposite to a lot of mm-hmm. you know normal careers definitely is conducive to finding those activities that you can participate in solo and uh, still improve yourself and just get that, you know, those repetitive, uh, alone time sessions that you can improve a skill, you know, I'm really wow, like improving a skill where have we, you know, encountered this before, <laughs> like that's the other, that's another big tie. in I feel like to fitness and I in in my orchestra now we just hired Adan Garza who is a he basically could get his pro card in bodybuilding this guy is amazing he uh, just graduated from UT and. He has been a huge inspiration for the whole brass section. So now everyone's got a membership to the WAC, the Washington Athletic Club, and they go work out at or, you know, in between services sometimes. And it's really great to see when uh, there are people, and also just other people in the orchestra inviting you to do 10Ks and things like that, or trying to get a group of people together to work out. I find that's a real benefit to everyone when we all do these events or find like workout partners in the orchestra because we all have the same schedule and things like that uh to it, it makes it a little bit more fun rewarding when you're training with other people or working towards a common goal outside of the band you know um but all that being said that's sort of the culture that i'm seeing here in our orchestra i love it I, I love that everyone is, or at least in the horn section, Everyone mostly everyone does some form of exercise. Danielle does dance, dance church, and it's awesome. Jenna does runs, she's a distance runner, she's incredible, her mile is so fast. And then uh, we got John Carson doing walks. Jeff, I'm not sure what Jeff does, but he, he trains every <laughs> once in a while. And then Mark does just bike rides all over Seattle. Oh man, I have a story about Mark. Mark, he like, oh my gosh! I uh, sorry, I'm so excited to talk about this. My brain is going in a million different directions, but I will say the culture of of exercise in our orchestra is significant. It's it. I've worked in two other orchestras, and I never really noticed it to like this degree. That so many people, so many of my colleagues, are doing some form of training, maybe not strength training, but They're getting out there and they're active. They're leading active lifestyles outside of music.
0: That's awesome. I didn't know that um, that was the case. Although uh, my brother lives in Seattle and I spent a lot of time there, and I'm not surprised that that's the culture of the orchestra because the city in general seems to be a pretty active place with people being outside and doing all kinds of cool stuff. But that's really great to hear. You said so many things. I want to expand on. First, I just want to highlight that you you basically said something that I've written about and talked about a lot, which is that I think that in a perfect world, uh, musicians could really benefit from three types of training, strength training, mobility training, and cardio. And like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be training for eight hours a week to get all that in, right? You can do a few minutes of mobility before you lift weights for 20 minutes and you can do 20 minutes of cardio, you know, a couple times a week or Some combination of smaller workouts, but I think that in a perfect world, if you can at least find some enjoyment and some ability and time to do those things, like that combo really makes for the best possible results because you get, like you said, the breathing and just the general health and energy systems benefits of cardio. You get the strength training, which helps you with aches and pains and endurance, and especially if you play a bigger instrument, like there's you know some degree of strength, and you have some movements to combat the repetitive nature of what we do. And that also ties into mobility training, which is you mentioned earlier, like if you're sitting and holding an instrument all day or standing and holding an instrument all day, like eventually your body's going to tell you, like we need to move more. And so you should listen to that message and do that stuff. But I love that you, you said that because that's essentially my philosophy and what I try to do with my clients as well. I want to ask you, like you're talking about musician schedules, which is such a huge issue. And every client that I've worked with, especially people that, like you, I've trained clients that will play with like different major orchestras and they teach and they record and they're literally running all over the place and their schedule is really, really varied. And I want to hear from you how you make time for training and what that looks like for you. If you have any practices that help you, because it seems like from social media that you're pretty, you've been pretty consistent and I, I know you get a lot of joy out of it and I'm sure that helps, but I'd love to hear maybe some more like tactical strategies that you use to make time to be consistent with your training.
1: Absolutely. And this is something I've been thinking about so much that that joy component, it's important to find what you like about a sport or, you know, for me in powerlifting, it's chasing those PRs or Mm -hmm. strengthening those weaknesses and just identifying those weaknesses and kind of tackling them just like we do in the practice room. And that satisfaction in those little attainable goals, those Little things that you couldn't do yesterday that now you can do because of the way that you practice and train that goes, they go hand in hand. And for me, this is something that I definitely. Could improve on it's the scheduling and it's the time management because powerlifting workouts do take a long time because of the rest periods. You know, it's (laughs) you have to take you know two to five minutes in between some of these top sets and it in order to recover and get the most out of the the workout. So I usually plan for about two and a half hours, like every time I have a workout. If I have to get to work, I have to at least plan three hours and you know, I, I wanna get to work early. I wanna get to UW early if, and I'm, I'm living a little bit farther away. And uh, that actually, because I we used to live kind of closer into town and I would go to a really great powerlifting gym in Seattle, Rain City Fit, shout out to them. And uh, now that I live a little bit farther and it's sort of like that, I can't quite go to that gym anymore. So I decided to invest in a home gym. And that has been really game changing for me. It's helped my schedule a lot, but it's it's still pretty tricky because I've been training four days a week, at least for the past, you know, since January, I, I find that that's definitely the best frequency for me to really see noticeable improvements and gains. Uh, three, I used to do three times a week and that was great for maintenance, but For making improvements, it's like four times a week plus, but these long workouts, you really have to schedule them out and write in your planner. I keep a, let's see, I keep a paper calendar. This is in it, but I, (laughs) I, you know, I just with all the students and everything, it's like better for me to like write it down and then cross things out and plan ahead that way. And I always write workout here, you know, to visually see when that time block is on a piece, physically on a piece of paper versus my, my phone. And if they'll say something comes up or I have a really exhaustive teaching day and I wanted to hit deadlifts on Monday, but I just taught eight hours and this is actually what happened yesterday. So I wanted to deadlift yesterday after all that, but it's 7 p.m. and I am just totally drained and I know myself that I would not have an effective workout, even if I did like pre-workout and took all my you know normal supplements for getting into the zone that I, I just did 20 minutes of cardio and called it a day. So that's sort of my minimum. And uh, if you can have that minimum, like little thing that you do every day, because consistency is so important that uh, I, you just push the schedule up a little bit, or you really hunker down and double up like your workouts the next day. So for instance, so today I am going to do uh, dead a little bit of a truncated like deadlift workout. I'll try to get everything in and do my normal bench routine today uh because I have the day off essentially As- aside from this and a few other errands but we ran we rarely have Tuesdays off, but I looked ahead mm-hmm. and so I said, okay, I have this time block figured out and I can get all of this done at the end of this uh at, at the end of this day and still feel, pretty good. Now on the other side of that day, like Wednesday, will, will I be recovered enough on Thursday to have an effective squat day? That's another question, but it's, it's at this point, it's really day by day and being able to have that flexibility with yourself to adjust on the fly and that, and and work with like how you feel, you know, if you feel really tired and exhausted and you just know, like you just dread, like working out at the end of a session, it's it might be better to just move it to the next day where you're inspired again, and you know your gains aren't going anywhere. Just just moving that one workout, but trying to stay as on top of things as possible and working things into your schedule day by day can ensure that you have that consistent training overall. Versus like skipping like a day and then like you don't have you haven't deadlifted for x amount of weeks, and I I highly prefer like doubling up versus completely skipping a workout and if you're if you have zero energy at least just try to get 20 minutes of steady state cardio and and just call it a day and like have a little protein shake after to kind of keep your nutrition going because you know that's the other component too is really fueling your body for uh everything that you need and for me like i'm i'm 300 pounds so like that 300 grams of protein that is a tricky amount a of protein
0: yeah to get in
1: each day so but that's that's really how I'm doing it right now. I'm sure there's a better way, but I take my programming seriously and just work at it day by day, and I try to communicate with my coach as best as I can if my workload increases or if there, I've missed so many days and I need to like take a deload or catch up. He's pretty responsive, but I, uh, I also think that I benefit from working with a coach, someone else writing my programming so that I... I'm not responsible for keeping track so much of like what I'm doing, but I have someone watching my progress and making sure that I'm doing some, I'm doing the right things. Whereas when I'm a coach, I, I like doing that for others. It's so, so weird. It's like, I love organizing. I don't for like people, writing
0: my own workouts. Yeah. I, right. I, I, <laughs> I can't do it for myself.
1: It's so rough, yeah. but, but it's good. It's, it's the, that's the best way to just like, listen, you can shut your brain off for that and just really focus on the form, focus on the lifts, focus on the weight and, have that component taken out it it makes things easier in my mind so but short answer to the question is i take it day by day <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> oh i love all that it's funny actually quite a few people that i have interviewed on this podcast that are professional musicians have home gyms <laughs> and uh, obviously mm-hmm. that's not an option for everyone uh, or i mean i say that i live i rent i live in a pretty small apartment and like We still have a home gym. It's not as elite as yours with all your various bars and racks and stuff. So there's a lot that you can do. But needless to say, that does seem to be a viable option for a lot of people. But yeah, it seems like you use a mix of planning, uh, both planning your workouts and planning in your schedule, being Mm -hmm. realistic about what, what you can do, trying to set aside time but also having flexibility. So when life does get crazy or when you don't feel good, you're able to shift things around and you have a lot of knowledge that you can use. Like, okay, I know I can combine these workouts and shift some things around. I know I can do cardio, but uh, I really think that that is really the best approach. I mean, you need to plan obviously, because if you don't ever plan your workouts as a musician who's busy, like it's just not going to happen. Exactly. But you also do need to have that flexibility and some of that comes with experience but i think that that's a really valuable lesson for anybody listening i do want to hear more about coaching actually um there's so many things i would love to talk with you about yes well well, i I do have the time
1: if we if we go over it's totally fine i okay cool the next thing i have is in like two hours or like maybe like an hour and a half so yeah
0: so i have like a two kind of a two-part question it's like two parts of the same question so you uh have a coach for your training and you also work as a coach, right? You take some training clients and Mm -hmm. you are, I mean, you've taken many lessons and worked with many music teachers over the years, I'm sure. And you're also a teacher yourself. So I'm curious, like as both on both sides of that, as the teacher slash coach and the, you know, client slash student, what similarities do you see with the experience of fitness coaching versus like music lessons? Because I see a lot in my own life and I'm really curious because I never taught I mean, I, I taught some lessons, but never at the level that you're teaching. And I'm I'm really curious what you see as similarities and maybe any differences.
1: Just as there are, you know, differentiations in every, every facet of life, everyone is different. That's the biggest thing that I've taken away. And every student is different. Every person learns differently and uh, everyone has their own special gifts that they are really proficient and excellent at, and everyone has their own individual faults and no one is the same. And that definitely applies in music education and also applies to coaching and training because everyone's body is different. Everyone has different morphology and that carryover is also notable in people's drive to work out and things like that. So when you're, when people are just getting into it, they might not be as consistent. I know I was not as consistent when I started out, but then I learned over time that consistency is the biggest factor in being productive with training. And it is also with, you know, practicing our instruments so that people that commit right off the gate and like try to get a lot of stuff done and or try to just like they kind of overcommit that's that's what I, my tendency is i overcommit and then i burn out and then i just kind of drop everything but taming that taking that back a little bit and just saying okay being realistic and practical not only with your goal setting but with the amount of training that you know that you can get done is also imperative to your success in training and when I'm coaching people, my biggest thing is I just want the form to look so good. And when I'm <laughs> when I'm tr- like teaching students, I just want the sound to be as good as possible. It's sort of these basic tenets that are. I feel like that's another huge carryover for me, at least, is to see it the very, the very, the most basic thing just at the highest level possible, and then from there we can expand from that point of quality, that's, that's sort of my biggest tenant with coaching and teaching that I hope my athletes, you know, eventually like they can coach themselves out of any issue. That's sort of my main goal for my horn students and as well as my, my athletes. But when you're working with athletes, uh, there's a, there's the programming component and that's another, that's a thing that I'm interested to bring into my musical teaching is to make things simpler for my students versus right now i rely on them or i rely on them to be self-reliant i recommend that they all use a practice journal a paper practice journal and i help give them the structure for that in i i like i love the the bullet journal method that is my favorite way to track progress in anything powerlifting music mm-hmm. or just you know tasks and to-do lists and things like that but I want my music students to become self-reliant. And so that's why I don't baby them too much in terms of like coaching. And plus at university, it's, you know, they, they pay for the time that they're there. And so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to program them constantly. Whereas in coaching, it's every month they subscribe to this and I am constantly in charge of their there's that portion of their schedule. And so with this, this, with horn students though, it's a super, it's a major importance. It's a, oh my gosh, it is a hugely important skill for us to learn how to practice for ourselves and how to get better on your own. And uh, when you come into lessons and present what you've worked on, that's just, it's just a coaching, you know, essentially, but what happens on your own time is almost more important and as important. And so that's the other thing. I I was on this Instagram live the other day on my Horn Hippie account. And I said, you know what? I wish I could like just I had I wish I had like all the time in the world, like so many copies of myself where I could see what a student is doing in the practice room and really watch them practice or like have them send me a video of them practicing for an hour and just watch like. How their brain works to overcome issues and things like that. Um, or you know, what, and this is the thing in school that I noticed when you would like there were no warm-up rooms at all. It was right before classes started. and so like seven horn players were in a classroom, and we were just playing stuff. <laughs> and it just everyone was kind of doing like a group practice session or, you know, excerpts and things like that. And everyone would like rotate and try to get this part, you know, if we were preparing it for an audition and practicing as a group was very effective and being witness to the things that other people are doing in their practice sessions made me a better musician and made me a, bit, a better practicer too, a more efficient practicer, I would say. So that's why the gym culture is so strong. And when, you know, when we go to the gym in person, I, I really enjoy that. The only, like the drawback, the pros, there's pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. Pros are you get to work out with a group of people. Cons are there's not necessarily like enough squat racks or access to equipment uh, that you have at your, if you're just doing home gym and, but at the home gym, you don't have the community. So with the community aspect, that's why I like to post a lot of my lifts and, I get feedback from my coach on those, but I also like to, you know, scroll Instagram and see what people are doing and how they're improving or see their technique and really analyze it for myself and see what people are doing in their workouts, not just the PRs. So that's why I, I like posting those as well as PRs. But yeah, just that's a whole amalgam of uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I answered the question, but no, no
0: that's good. I especially like the comparison between um, like sound as a core tenant of you know, music in general, I guess, brass playing specifically, it's very important and also like form and lifting. And as a coach and as a teacher, you're trying to develop autonomy in your student or client. And so that that really speaks to me because I think of like my time at Northwestern, especially being in Chicago, like the whole Chicago Mm -hmm. brass philosophy is like, if you can hear it and sing it very clearly, then you, you know, you can play it to an extent. And so (laughs) a lot of the teaching was like sort of trying to, instill this inner sense of musicality and sound and tone in students and then they would then be able to take that on their own and do like the shredding and whatever but they would have this like core vision or you know sound that would guide them and in training you know you when you have a new client who has no body concept awareness struggling with movement you know I'm trying to help them figure out like okay this is what a squat looks like whether you're doing a barbell squat or a dumbbell squat or some machine squat like you have a concept of squat and what it should look like and same goes for all the other movement patterns and then when you have more of that knowledge and more the sort of like core sense of what you're doing then you're able to better work out on your own so I I think there are a lot of similarities uh, in that analogy I like that a lot Um, I would love to hear more about like what you are doing with your coach or what your specific goals are, you know, what's motivating you right now? Cause I see a lot of your lists too, but um, maybe tell the listeners like what you're training for. And um, yeah, I mean, your goals, what's motivating you right now. Like I said,
1: absolutely. Uh, Fantastic question. The main goal for me, I want to improve my powerlifting skills. So just, going to a meet and getting a better bench, a better squat, a heavier deadlift. But the thing is also being a musician, it's hard to find meets that I can go to and compete at because- Have you done a all... meet before? I, I have. I've done, I've done have? Okay. Three, three meets, but I haven't done one in about two years, actually. Yeah, it's about two years ago that I did my last one. But that's just because I can't find anything close to me that mm-hmm. doesn't- interfere with a concert schedule and you know as a musician when you take a day off in in the weekend that usually means you have to completely take off the rest of the week and you miss out of a week where the work and our pay is based on service and so you miss seven services to take one day off so it doesn't work necessarily like you know an engineering job or something where oh yeah I can just take this personal day and it's fine but it's a, it's a lot more involved in that sense, and it's harder for me to find times to compete. But right now, I'm looking for a meet to do that fits in my schedule. And my goals right now, my short term lifts that I want, I really would love to hit 315 on bench because I haven't quite crossed that threshold. So my coach has me doing a lot of bench accessories, just not just not regular bench. I'm doing lots of um, like tricep development. So close grip and with the feet up. So it's just all tr- no leg drive, just <laughs> all tricep and then also working with the uh, Cadillac bar from Kabuki Strength. That's my favorite bar. Oh, I love that bar so much. These things are really nice. <laughs> they are so good. And uh, I'm doing just wide grip on that, I'm just kind of strengthening the outside, like just all the other pectoral muscles. And then for squat, my I, I was doing really well at the start of the summer, but then my I would I would I posted a few videos and I was like. Would you give me red lights or would you give me white lights In powerlifting white lights is a successful lift red lights means that there is an issue with the lift. And so in squat, the most common fault for squat is that it's too high when you're in Mm -hmm. the bottom position. And so I've been working getting that ass to grass. And it has been, uh, I've just been going like so, so deep in squat and to really get into that bottom of a squat takes a lot of power and uh, knee extensor strength, which uh, my coach noticed that that's one of my biggest weaknesses, my biggest opportunities for growth is what we'll say. (laughs) And uh, so now I'm doing a lot of hatfield split squats with the <laughs> transformer bar from kabuki strength and so i you know i'll load that thing up to 200 pounds and just do like you know basically a split squat and it is really taxing and so that's where uh my uh, my third kind of primary issue right now is figuring out what recovery regimen suits me the best and when to do that i actually i do the most of my recovery at night like right before bed just a lot of stretching and things like that um, hip ninety nineties in front of the TV, just kind of relaxing and doing that thing. But then uh, so but my goal squat is 505 and my deadlift. I'm trying to go up to 550 uh, for my next deadlift max, which is it's it's good. That's good weight for me. You know, at four years of training like I I could not quite get 315 in that first meet uh, for a deadlift. And to say that I've added 200 pounds to that in two years is are you awesome? Yeah, yeah and, for sure. It's really like really nice. And just it's a lot to do with the the consistency of training is what I really attribute that to. And then the consistency with nutrition as well. That's a huge component in like that positive weight gain that um, you know, I'm trying to like avoid less fatty foods, but it's really hard when you have to get so much protein and you know everything <laughs> has fat in it. But you know, there that's a whole other, you know, subtopic as well. But those are, and then aesthetically, of course, I have aesthetic goals to just lose a little bit of a uh, little bit of fat and kind of tone a little bit, just build my arms a little bit, build the chest, just big shoulders, get that V shape. So I have some like bodybuilding style goals that I want to meet as well, and that's uh, sort of another <laughs> that kind of leads to another kind of there's also like other issues in the fitness world that i've noticed you know kind of diving into it there's everyone has body dysmorphia and just instagram is a huge driver of that it's it's a huge thing and um but for me i'm i'm happy with my body and i'm i'm liking where i'm at and but it's okay to want to be a little bit you know get a little bit different here and there so
0: yeah i think it's normal healthy even to have those conflicting things to understand that some of the messaging is damaging unhelpful Mm -hmm. and also to say you know i would like to do x y and z i don't think i i think some coaches go too far and they say yeah like it's unhealthy to want to change your body or i don't necessarily agree with that but i do think it's important to recognize like what what's driving that like why do we feel that way where is that coming from are my goals actually realistic Mm -hmm. and then you know when you're getting down to it like especially when we're talking about busy musicians i think expectation management is important too because if you don't have a million hours and a private chef and you can't always get perfect sleep and perfect recovery you know you're not going to be able to do the things that someone whose job it is, is to look really good on the internet mm-hmm. or for TV or play sports is going to do because their whole life revolves around their body and yours you know your body's important but you just don't have the resources and time and and I do think that that's where some musicians get a little lost and I, I do think that social media is a problem and I, I this is something I've been thinking about a lot is like creating the context for people like okay what you're seeing like these are people that have this amount of time to devote to training or people that have I don't know, they're speaking to a certain population. So, a lot of posts may be geared more toward people with bodybuilding specific goals. But if your goal is just to lose a little bit of weight and feel good and have more energy as you're playing, like you don't necessarily need to train or eat or take the extreme measures that someone who wants to step on a stage needs to. And I do think some of that nuance gets a little lost. I wonder since you brought it up, like what do you see um, in terms of, do you see any like body dysmorphia issues in the music world? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. If that's something you, you even um, would know about from peers or, or well, people that
1: you were. Well, I, well, the biggest issue that I'm sure you know, like your singer friends, my singer friends. Oh, yeah. Just, they well, because it's like it, it seems as if it's it was so commonplace very recently for people to just like be look at them and say, I don't like this or I don't like this or you're too short, you're too tall, you're too blah, blah, blah. But I feel that that's definitely changed a lot in recent years. But that is – I think they suffered the most from that, that issue, just people really, like, judging their bodies and not listening with their ears and understanding that component. Uh, you know, it's – that's probably where I see it the most is how, like, body dysmorphia affects, like, singers and our, our opera friends um, because they have to look a certain way on the stage. They have to act And so it kind of goes hand in hand with like this, the Hollywood ideals and Mm that like, you know, that perfect Hollywood body vibe. You know, I've seen so many um, just singers get into fitness and like really bulk up and, you know, even take gear for just getting in shape and looking a certain way to hopefully improve their chances of getting hired or booked. So. That's something pretty troublesome that is definitely that spills into the classical music world as well.
0: Yeah, definitely something just to be aware of for people, and mm-hmm. you know, think critically about what influences are affecting you and how you're forming your goals and your thoughts about about fitness. And I try in my coaching and content, I mean, I, I help people with weight loss and stuff. And like, I, I lost a lot of weight myself and that was really important to me, but I try to let people know that like, you can work out and you can eat healthy and do all this stuff without necessarily the intention of like being really small or really jacked or whatever the goal is, depending on, you know, what's important to you. So you can still work out and do all these things and they can really benefit you as a musician and a person, even if you're not looking like an Instagram model or a bodybuilder or whatever the Mm -hmm. thing is. Exactly.
1: And so yeah. I mean even on in my like kind of my thirst posts on the Horn Hulk account it's just it, it's also kind of body positivity because it's like yeah I have mm-hmm. a, I've got a big belly I've got you know I've got a lot of fat everywhere but I'm also muscular and I like to celebrate my body and do posts like that to also inspire people that look like me or that you know are a little bit more of you know, my body fat composition to get in the gym and just do what they do. They can do if that's something that they want to get after. I feel that my goal with that whole account is it's, it's geared towards beginners. I would say it's geared towards people that are just trying to like dip their toe into powerlifting because that's what I really wanted when I, got into everything, you know, like four years ago when I really started that account. And just I was looking for accounts that were helpful and giving all the hints that, you know, that I wanted. And so that's that's the that's a really interesting facet that I'm learning now because I want to do that on my account, but I also want to grow the follower count, too. And so I feel like I've sort of lost a little bit of that initial attitude that I want to get back towards and making that educational content more so than just chase the followers with like the trendiest post, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> now I really like your social pages. Of course I'll link to both of John's pages, oh, his <laughs> um like lifting focus page. And we'll talk about this at the end too. And his oh, yeah. uh, horn folks page, but his, his pages are really good follows. And I do think you, you do provide some really good educational content for sure plus entertaining videos and
1: um, you you know i appreciate
0: too that i feel like you're really honest because i like i know sometimes you post okay i missed this squat like here's a video of me failing on a squat Mm -hmm. you know here's some struggles and things that i've had for the day and like i think that that also is really important to what we were talking about just a moment ago like having a more real view of of fitness and what it's like and the ups and downs and it's not all like oh you just are really hardcore and like you commit one day and then everything's
1: perfect and you
0: achieve amazing results.
1: You know, yeah. Here, look weeks. at all these PRs that I have. Look at everything. Yeah, part. exactly. Like, okay. Um, is that real? No. Like, no, I, I love. Not. I love seeing like, like really great lifters fail lifts. It's so it's so great It just it's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, That's talking about gets
0: like seriously hurt. Hopefully.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It just yeah. hearing you know how people train out if they get injured. I mean, you see all like. Just so many people getting injured from like strong man. I follow a lot of strong men mm. and strong women athletes, and just they're always like tearing biceps or yeah, they're hardcore quads for sure. It's just <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing that I I I do not believe in strong as a sport or strong women just necessarily because it's just okay if you're gonna do reps at heavy weight, you're pushing your body to injury. You're pushing that's there's such an unhealthy like boundary that I feel strong strongman athletes like push towards sorry sorry guys sorry guys and gals and then and i mean it's super
0: fun to watch but yeah especially is, if you're like a musician who needs to like have a yep. working body to perform there's definitely like a
1: it's not for musicians risk
0: versus reward <laughs> yeah. analysis that should probably happen there yeah um so i i have a few more questions that i Please. i would love to ask you so the first one um, i'm actually going to switch the order that i was going to ask them in, but because of what we're talking about now i would love to hear like what advice you have for people who are just getting started you know it could be powerlifting specific or it could be just like musicians or artists people listening that are like you know what like i want to work out more but i feel overwhelmed i don't have time like i don't know where to start you know what would you say what would you share with those
1: people i would say start with one workout one time a week if that's all you can do and then the next week add two workouts then if that's working out for you add a third the next the following week and it's it speaks to what you just said about people coming in and trying to start and being overwhelmed with the sheer volume of things that they have to do, things that they have to learn. But if you can just get into the gym one time a week and do a really good set of squats, that's that's fantastic. And uh, there's it's basically adding things to your lifestyle gradually is the best way for you to make those changes permanent or to build positive habits. Versus, you know, like I said earlier, just going like whole hog and then burning out so Mm -hmm. quickly, you know, just really trying to do too much. And in doing so, you become completely overwhelmed and stressed out and you're not getting that joy from lifting. That's the that's where sort of the issues lie and where you lose that inspiration or where you you don't quite get those gains, you know, that you can if you just take things slowly and build up this program or build up yourself now when i'm coaching i'll i'll just kind of i'll ask people how many times a week can you realistically work out and then from there we can start to build and then if they are overwhelmed they'll communicate to me or if i'm overwhelmed i'll communicate to my coach and say hey for like this month i need to go back to three times working out a week because i've got a recital i've got I've got a performance of this orchestra that I need to practice for. In the practice needs to, I need to add forty-five minutes or to an hour a day, and I can't do X amount of work. And starting to plan ahead for yourself just a little bit can make a huge difference when you're just starting out. Now, uh, additionally, there's, you know, if you're just starting out powerlifting, there's a lot of gear that you need to acquire. Um, not so gears also gears slang for steroids and steroids, like a whole, but like a whole bunch of like, just, um, hormones and things like that. But like, you need a belt, you need a good looking belt, good pair of knee sleeves. But to start out, you can just get some on the evil river on amazon.com, you know, something like that, or, <laughs> you know, just go to a local sporting goods store if you can and get knee sleeves, get a belt and just try your best to hit some good workouts. And when you're squatting. And deadlifting, do it barefoot <laughs> when you're starting out. If, if you don't have a good pair of flat lifting shoes, that's also my number one recommendation, but okay. So number one, just start with a little bit at a time and build it up. Number two, slowly acquire gear and uh, kind of <laughs> prioritize. I feel like what's like the number one priority. Well, for me, it, you just know your body. If you have really strong knees, then maybe you don't need knee sleeves, but if you kind of, if you're a, a tall boy, Uh, And you have like, you know, kind of weaker knees from running or marching band, maybe knee sleeves are a good investment. And then uh, then definitely like getting a breath belt or getting just a powerlifting belt. I feel that's whenever your spine is under any sort of compression, whether it's squat or deadlift, I think a belt is really important, especially as, as musicians. And the whole purpose of me starting powerlifting was essentially injury prevention. And so Mm -hmm. that's why, that's why acquiring gear when you're like this, when you're powerlifting is, I find it's very important because it's a safety, it's a safety measure for yourself. But then like the third thing that I recommend for beginners is be kind to yourself. And if you're missing a lift, if you miss a workout, do not beat yourself up. Just attack it the next day that you can, like you will have the energy, you will have the ability to get things done. Don't beat yourself up for missing a workout or if you're too busy, because that will put you mentally not in the best place to benefit from your workouts or your training. So that's, that's my main three for people who are just trying to start out.
0: Yeah, that's great. I agree with all of that. Of course, I think that the first point is so key. I think a lot of people, I don't know from the past or from the internet or whatever, they think, okay, like I got to go all in. And like, mm-hmm. if I can't work out three, four five times a week for an hour, then I might as well do nothing. But the reality is, especially if you're already doing nothing, like one workout a week is a hundred percent better than what yeah. you're doing right now. And, you know, I, I don't, I think that it's a net positive. I don't see any like you know will you get better results if you train more consistently you know yes but that doesn't mean that that one workout a week isn't doing something for you and like you said it's planting a seed it's allowing you then to add more and when you're ready you can do more but I think that this idea that you like if you can't do x number of workouts or train for x amount of time is really holds a lot of people back and I think that's really important to just shout it from the rooftops like (laughs) do what you can Mm -hmm. you know lift, lift once a week like you know walk go for a walk and lift once a week like if, if you're not doing anything I think that that's a great place to start uh and then the last thing that you said is is really important too and I think musicians I mean I was definitely this way I know some people were a lot more well adjusted mentally than I was going through
1: music oh, school. Gosh. That, <laughs> but I yeah. was like so
0: hard on myself and like it was really bad and it became this like terrible vicious cycle that I think in a lot of ways made me get out of music and i think that it can it can be easy to fall into that trap in other areas of your life especially if you've been in music school and that you've been like or, or working and you're like laser focused and that's just your way of operating. And I think that it's really important to not take it. <laughs> you shouldn't have it in music either in a perfect world, but try not to take it into the gym to like, try to be kind to yourself, try to be more objective, try not to be like, so catastrophic about everything that goes wrong. And you'll have a much more enjoyable time and a much longer career. So I think that that's good also to reiterate for musicians who maybe are harder on themselves sometimes than other people. Oh, I guess I don't know that, but that's sort of my general. No, I impression. totally, I, I would
1: <laughs> absolutely say that's so true. And that, you know, that it, I, um, I all, something that I learned though, from powerlifting that I have taken into my own practice is the importance of recording yourself. It, it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it just takes you to an, an entirely different level to, you know, look at your lifts and coach or like critique your lifts during a workout, you know, you're like snapshots of that work. And then you like take a break and look at what you just recorded and say, oh, wow. Okay. I see that I'm doing this a little too quick. I can slow this part down. I can really fine tune this. And in music, we, there's so much to practice and so many things to get Mm -hmm. done. But if you can record yourself and listen back to yourself and give you like just that immediate direct feedback, it, is so helpful and will help you get better faster and that's what we're all about it's like what little thing can i do to get better quicker and in music that is practice slowly and record yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> like just those two is so easy and be kind to yourself too in the practice room if you can but it's it's almost it's so hard because our careers are based on you know we got to nail the audition got to be note perfect and perfectly in tune and all this you know high performance quality
0: yeah. It's a combination in the classical music world, a weird combination of like expecting perfection, but also wanting this like artistic individual creative expression. And you get those mm-hmm. types of personalities and uh, it can be a little challenging. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the big benefits that I, you know, I wish that I had learned some of these lessons sooner, but I think there's so many similarities between training. They're not exactly the same, right? Because in the end, music is an artistic expression and weightlifting is, I mean, there's, you could make some argument i suppose but it's it's not exactly the same but the process mm-hmm. of like building skills refining technique like continuing to show up and and adjust is very similar i think yeah. and i think that it is healthy to have another outlet outside of music where you get to practice some of these skills and perhaps it can be more fun and more objective instead of just always being in the practice room and being like so in your head about stuff so that was fun for me when i was struggling in music school at the same time that i was getting really into lifting, it was nice to just have something that was maybe a little easier to measure in some ways, a little more clear, but that had some, some carryover and some improvements that I could then take into the practice room. I would love to hear from you kind of in closing, like, how do you think we've sort of talked about this throughout the episode, but how do you think your, your lifting, your fitness journey, all of this has impacted you as a musician? You mentioned physical things, but it could also be mental. It could be something entirely different. Like, what do you see as the biggest impacts from fitness on your musical life?
1: The biggest impacts from my training into carrying over into music, I would absolutely say is my. Hmm. Oh, gosh, this is so good. (laughs) Like, well, the, the number one thing that I think of is actually playing in the high register on horn. Mm. It's just this like sort of like a muscular brace and building interabdominal pressure that is so key. And when I try to teach students, it's hard for them to like understand just musculature and like what to involve. But it's taught me a lot about anatomy and Mm -hmm. a lot about how to explain positioning and the ergonomics of playing to other people. And it's helped me improve when I encounter something in my playing physically, that I'm hurting in a certain area, what to do. I can quickly get out of that issue if I'm having any sort of pain or strain in any muscle group while I'm performing. I can now easily figure out what's wrong and address it in terms of mobility or recovery and I actually do mobility drills before every rehearsal and performance. I, do I often encourage people to do just, that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> to open up my shoulders because mm-hmm. I know for me, that's like the number one thing is just we're in, we're forward, you know, I'm just like, boom, this position all day, every day. And John's got his horn picked yeah, up got, for anyone yep.
0: who's listening to the audio. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, but everything's so forward, you know, for like winds and uh, brass, just the shoulders caving in and then getting out of that position feels so amazing and kind of spending time in the reverse positions or digging into those muscles that are always contracted in order to Mm -hmm. open them up. I feel that that's the biggest takeaway for me is that health and wellness carry over and what to do with my body in terms of uh muscle mus- in terms of muscle soreness or pain or recovery let's call it let's call it recovery from repetitive stress that's the most significant carryover i've seen from powerlifting and i wouldn't say there are too many dissimilarities in terms of the mentality when you are <laughs> at a meet it's very similar to an audition you want to but it's it's almost better because you just want to do better than your last meet, really. I right, everyone to be perfect <laughs> exactly. You don't have to be perfect. But if you do better than you did the last time, you're going to be doing very well very soon. And if you're in an audition situation, that's such a positive way to look at it, even though in auditions, we're spending a ton of money flying all around and, uh, you know, going to different places. And there's a lot more emotion involved because of, I feel like some of the financial strain essentially, but to take a step back and look at it from that mental fortitude and just improving with every audition, you'll eventually, you know, land somewhere nice. You'll be making constant improvement and, Through that practice, that healthy, consistent practice, you will achieve your goals. And that's something that powerlifting has also taught me. It's that chasing those goals and being realistic with your goals can help you improve faster with more efficiency and get your results.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. So John, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I would love for you to share your, you know, socials, website, whatever you would like to direct people to so they can find out more about you, follow you. Where should they go?
1: Yes. So if you are interested in my lifting content, follow Horn Hulk on Instagram and TikTok. (laughs) I do one-on-one coaching. Just fill out that little Google form that's in the link on my bio there. I also have an account where I post more fun music related and personal family photos things like that that's my horn hippie accounts h-o-r-n-h-i-p-p-i-e on instagram and TikTok. so right now i also have these two components underneath this overlying project that i call horn hippie media and that's another account on instagram that you can follow but through that i essentially collaborate with other brands, other, uh, you know, orchestras, and I do educational content. But so the lifting content is educational, the horn teaching content, it's educational. So it all kind of floats under this branch of my media company. Horn Hippie Media. So if you give that a follow and if you want any merch, go to hornhippymedia.com. Send me a DM if you want to collaborate or need any advice or any tech lessons. I am down to help anyone out who needs help. And I am so grateful, Caroline, that you had me on today. This has been so much fun and so great and just perfectly in my lane. I love talking about this and I would love to come back on if you'd have me again, just to talk about anything. Yeah. So
0: this was really fun. I mean, one of the best parts about doing the guest episodes for this podcast is when I get to talk to people like you who are, you know, you're such a great musician. So accomplished, but you're also super into lifting. You really know your shit and you're, you're just as passionate about it. So it's kind of like my, I get to geek out with you about my two biggest passions, which are also two <laughs> of your biggest passions. So I, I really appreciate you, you know, coming on the show and, um, uh, yeah, I will absolutely, we can do a part two. And, uh, when I'm in, uh, Seattle next, maybe we can, uh, get together as well. I'll hit you up.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Let's do a live show. I'm down. Yeah. yeah i got a, awesome. a studio set up here. So no, yeah, you do. He has a nice <laughs> studio
0: for sure. Much nicer than me. <laughs>
1: It's, All right, oh, John. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. It's been awesome, Caroline. <laughs> thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. And to everybody listening, thanks so much. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.